I'm Chad Milner, and welcome to Read It Because I Wrote It, a podcast where I do just that, read my work because I wrote it. I know y'all have a million other things to do and other podcasts to listen to, so I just need 10 to 15 minutes of your time. If life allows it, once a week, I will write something new, read something old, and give some insights I've learned in hopes you see a little of yourself and myself, because quite simply, everybody's got a story to tell. How Love Story and its Sequel Mirrored My Life This essay contains quite a bit of adult language, and by adult language, I mean the words shit, fuck, and bullshit fly throughout this piece. But it's tasteful, though. I watched Oliver's Story, the 1978 sequel to Love Story, a film often considered one of the most romantic movies of all time. For years, I put off the hour and a half of my time the film required, and avoided it for almost a decade. In order to share this story, I must first give another one to contextualize how and why I was steer clear of Oliver's story. The year had to have been 2009. As we ran our weekend errands or made our daily stop to the Target next door to our apartment complex, my then-girlfriend Tamil rummaged through the bargain bin of DVDs. She stopped 30 seconds into our activity and said, Love Story, I love this movie. We have to watch this today. Unaware of what was in store, I looked at the two young white people, Ryan O'Neill and Ally McGraw, and said, Sure. In my mind, it was just another romantic movie to watch with my girlfriend. We smiled and related through the first half of Love Story. Oliver Barrett IV, a student at all-male Harvard College, met quick-witted Jennifer Caval... Cavallari. I'm sorry if I'm butchering the name. You know what? I'm not sorry because this is a fictional character. Who attended Radcliffe College, a women's liberal arts college, the sister school to Harvard. As Morehouse and Spelman College, two prestigiously historically black colleges with all male and female students, respectively. We knew the movie's protagonists very well. The two of us felt the struggles Oliver and Jennifer faced as they began to make their way in the world outside the confines of their institution. It was the very place in life Tamil and I were in. Then the movie took a turn. Jenny got sick, was diagnosed with cancer, died at the age of 25, and said one of the lines I still consider the biggest crocs of shit of all time. Love means never having to say you're sorry. Tamil duped the fuck out of me, and I did not appreciate it at all. That line is super bullshit anyway. Tamil boohooed through the credits, and I attempted to lighten the mood with my honest take on love story. This is probably not a direct quote, but probable enough to be one. I said, this is the most fucked up movie of all time. Why the hell did you make me watch this bullshit? I need a drink after this and you were no longer allowed to pick movies to watch. Tamil laughed and we continued our day. The joke was on me. Given how much love story paralleled my story past the scenes in which my daughter's mother and I giggled through, one could see how or why I would not watch Oliver's story once I was aware a sequel existed. I also had no incentive to watch it because it was critically panned and a box office flop. So if I thought the first was shitty and the second was even shittier, why would I put myself through the emotional muck? 
Hell, I thought Oliver's story was bullshit based on its bullshit promotional tagline. It takes someone very special to help you forget someone special. They've been batting 1,000 with the bullshit in my book. But I had a change of heart the other day. As I have toiled away with music and worked on an album appropriately titled There's Always a Girl Story, the creative process has prompted healing, which was long overdue. I am almost done with the lyrics, production, and recording. Drained from the decade of emotions I have reconfronted, rectified, and reconciled, I hit a wall on the tail end. So yesterday, February 7th, 2021, I told myself, I know what'll get me going and further overwhelm the fuck out of my feelings. I watch Oliver's story. I love the fucking movie. Granted, there are many holes in the plot line and Oliver's story is nowhere near as good as its predecessor, but I love the movie. Dare I say, I felt the way about the sequel as Tamil did for Love Story. This might be an aha moment I'll need to get to in a couple paragraphs. Every Oliver Barrett IV scene, I've been there. Well, I never laid in bed, sad and forlorn, and stared out the window with sadness as I glanced at a picture of my love who died. The funeral scene which started off Oliver's story The funeral scene which started off Oliver's story stirred up a lot of emotions. I felt as if I finally attended the funeral for Tamil I was never invited to, or the gravesite the groundskeepers refused to help me find when I drove to Virginia with my daughter. This evening evolved into a moment of rage in which I reminded my quote-unquote in-laws how I was not allowed to the fun of the funeral when they proposed we go as a family the next time I'm in Virginia. I haven't been back to Virginia since this day in 2015, but I digress. There have been many Thursday afternoons between 3.45 and 4.45 where I've had word for word the same conversations as Oliver did with his therapist. On the second watch, I realized my Thursday conversations went a little different because I was not in the same emotional space as Oliver. Nonetheless, at one time or another, I felt the sentiment behind the dialogue, all the way down to as the therapy sessions progressed, it seemed as if more darkness crept into the room and masked half of Oliver and the therapist's faces. That was good direction. I've had interactions like Oliver and a few Joanna Stones. Women my friends have attempted to set me up with, which ended in her place with said young lady throwing herself at me, only for me to say, good night, and not close the deal. Note, the times I did not close said deal was not because of sadness. I foresaw the awkward, nothing short of crazy conclusion, which had played out many times I did close the deal. Because, like the movie, it was always on night one. For years, I hovered around a shell of my happy-go-lucky self with a dark cloud of despair over my head and flash grins through sarcastic remarks when I peeked over my impenetrable wall. I spent years engulfed and obsessed with work because in many ways, it felt like it was all I had. I experienced every argument and emotion displayed between Oliver and Marcy Bonwit, played by Candace Bergen. More often than not, it wasn't me who pulled away. With nonchalance, I let the bullshit happen and let the women think whatever they wanted. In all honesty, on several occasions, I have let a woman think I could not progress in a full-fledged relationship with them because they said, I don't think you're over your daughter's mother. 
If only you knew how many times I have heard the phrase, sentiment, or body language which conveyed, you don't know what it's like to compete with a dead woman. I wanted to reply just as O'Neill did when he yelled, then stop trying, only to shrug it off and let whomever feel whatever way they wanted. That's a lot of W's. I once told this to my friend Jamila, who replied, if that's how women feel, you don't need those insecure bitches. They lack confidence and they weren't right for you. Jamila spoke the words which played in my mind every time the scene in Hong Kong happened. Now to bring this piece home. In summation, I do feel the same way about Oliver's story as my daughter's mother once felt about love story. How could I not? Both were eerily prophetic and is played out almost line for line and fraternal, not identical, which also makes sense because I have a twin sister, fashion. But in all honesty and bias aside, mine has a lot more entertainment and dramatic value. Granted, the argument with Marcy may have been on the San Diego waterfront, on a cross-country road trip, or in the Bronx. But if I were to be completely transparent for once, the way life is played out and those who've been privy to the inner workings of my current journey, you too would agree and root for Chad's story. As scary as it may feel, often the start to answering life's questions requires a look in the mirror. Until next time, be blessed. Read it because I wrote it. It's written, directed, produced, edited by me. The music, that's by me too.